everybody's favorite topic to talk about these days, The Last of Us 2. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Everybody loves that game. <laughs> what? Wait, what's The Last of Us 2? Fingers. Yo, this is Vector. Hey everyone, this is Days Ahead. And I'm Nitroid. You're listening to the Kojima Frequency. Who who's played it? Who's played it? I'm currently playing through the sequel. Played the first one. Uh enjoyed the first one. Didn't like get super attached to the characters and stuff. It wasn't my favorite, you know, but I did definitely love uh, you know, just like the atmosphere and the, the acting and everything in the game. Um, but yeah, the, the second one right. I'm playing through right now and, uh, I'll save, you know, more of my thoughts for later, but I'm, I'm having a good time. Um, you know, as far as murderous, you know, things go, like I enjoy all the <laughs> killing, I guess. Um, you enjoy all the, killing. yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm about, uh, I was about two dogs deep in the game. You know, that's, that's like a significant <laughs> part. Um, but yeah, uh, for me so far, it's just been a really good stealth game. Um, but yeah, that, that's where I'm standing right now. I haven't beaten it or gotten to any of the huge story beats yet, but, uh, yeah, I'm having a good time. The, uh, the sound design alone is something worth just like experiencing the game for like the, the snow and, uh, just the, the glass breaking. I don't know if you've seen the videos of that, but it's next level what they did with like recording for for the game they use like super dynamic ultra uh frequency range microphones to get some of those sounds for stuff so wow seems like nobody really has any uh qualms about the technical aspects of the game it's it's absolutely on a technical level it's definitely a marvel for sure yeah so sure you know if only games were just that if they were just judged based on how technically proficiently they were made I don't think we would be doing this podcast. I haven't played two. I did play one, but I kind of took the... And did you finish it? I took the lazy... Yeah, I finished the first one, and then I took the, the lazy man's way out and watched all the cutscenes for the second one online. Days, what about you? So I ended up playing the first one on the remastered edition. I got it for free with my PlayStation 4. Um, nice. I'm sort of in fingers' bucket where I, I completely understand why folks think it's fantastic. It gets the best game ever. I thought it was great from a stealth perspective, but it didn't change my life. I am currently in team wait for this all to ride over so I can get this game for cheap. But I have watched the cutscenes like Nitroid. And I have a lot of thoughts about it in sort of the greater context of, you know, writing and tropes as well as comparing it to, you know, the subject matter of this podcast, which is Metal Gear. Right. So. Yeah, and that's that's uh, why I've been following this game. I haven't played it. I had never intended to play it. I was a fan of the first game, but I'm following this sequel because it's clear to me that, like, this is the, the divergent point. And then, you know, five years, five to ten years down the line the future of the video game industry is going to trace some of its, some of its future lineage back to this date. And, and, and publishers are going to be looking at the last of us Two for influence, whether that's good or bad, they're going to say like, you know, we want to make our version of the last of us Two, or if they're going to say, you know, we, we want to avoid a last of us Two situation. That's why I have been following the, the, you know, all the news stories and the controversy around this game. I've seen some conversation online about um, about that, and specifically, it seems to be geared towards this sentiment of maybe games, maybe AAA games have gotten too big, and right. that they need to be scaled down because you have all these concerns about budgets and crunch and you know release timetables, and so The Last of Us Two kind of seems like the ultimate manifestation of that problem. And now everyone's exactly. kind of going, well, you know, maybe it's time to start throttling back a bit and working on smaller projects or at least figuring out a new way of going about this sort of design. Yeah, definitely. And I've been saying that since the PS3 days. And they say uh, game development budgets have doubled since 
the uh, the seventh console generation, and they say they're going to double again. And so now you're seeing a lot of pushback from that, and and people are they're trying to spend less money to make a smaller game, which is which I think is great. Yeah, and I thought I was going to be like more like almost done with the game, but apparently I'm not even halfway through it yet. So like, yeah, these games are just getting a little too long just for what they need to be. Right. They're trying to make them these huge epic long things. And, you know, you can, you can make DLC or make the, what was the other, the last of us, like little standalone episode, you know, like they can left behind. Yeah. Yeah. They can do things like that to add onto the story, but like the, the huge, you know, singular project doesn't need to be that big and take this long to make. That's a big problem. Speaking from a sustainability standpoint, it is hard from a creative perspective because, you know, you spend all these resources, time and effort to create this game. And when you take the creative risk that games like The Last of Us 2 take, it kind of worries stakeholders and fans in a sense that, you know, we waited seven years and how many millions for this? Yeah, I remember I finished the first Last of Us in about 13 hours. And most people say it's it takes about 15 on average and people are saying that Last of Us 2, the average completion time is 25 hours, uh, which it doesn't make a lot of sense why they would nearly double the, the length of the game, especially when they're, they purposefully set out to, and we haven't gotten into spoilers late yet, but I, I feel like we should have some sort of marker when we do dive into spoilers. Yeah. But, you know, the, spe- the, the route that they decided to take where you kind of you go on this side story for essentially it's the it's the length of time that it takes to complete the entire first game where they do something that was obviously going to make a lot of people upset and it's like they intended to do that like they were manipulating people just so that they would feel angry and upset at what they were doing and it it it's it doesn't make a lot of sense to me so part of the reason I didn't play the second one And I worry that by saying anything negative about this game, it's immediately going to be perceived as a political statement because people can only seem to think in those mindsets now, which is really kind of irritating. You can't just like or dislike something on its own merits. You got to be on a team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know. And that's why we have all these disclaimers, by the way. So we can say, you know, we're we're discussing this in full good faith as Metal Gear podcasters. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But to be completely honest, I didn't care for the first one that much. I just thought it was an average action game with an average story. I wasn't really all that taken in by it. And I understand that a lot of people really love that game and love those characters and that story and that world. And great. It just didn't resonate with me so that, you know, when the second one comes out and it becomes this huge controversy, I just I kind of don't get it because I didn't think the first one was worth all that much fanfare to begin with. And you kind of just don't care. (laughs) Yeah, kind (laughs) of. It's, it's just another game to me. Yeah. It it really seemed like it was uh, just a lot of knee jerk stuff at first. You know, you had the, you had the meme boys come through and uh, I think like the, the worst thing is like the leaks, like when those come out and people are like, they like skim through it and, and then like watching just the cutscenes, like, damn it, that's not a way to experience a game like, or, or, to, or to pick up anything from it. You know what I mean? Like, If you were to just watch the Metal Gear cutscenes, you'd be like, what the fuck? Like, it's the, you have to at least watch a, a compilation of gameplay that connects those cutscenes. Otherwise, you're just lost. You're like, oh, okay, we're here now. And yeah, <laughs> it felt like... And that's fair, you know? That's, yeah. that's why any opinion I have on the second one, you know, take it with a grain of salt because I didn't play through the second one. I did watch the cutscenes, and yeah. that's not the full experience. So, and that's not so much know. on you. It's just more on like on the community when they when people do that type of stuff and then just like run with the memes. And like, of course, I enjoyed all those memes. They were great. Yeah. But when it comes down to like people are like, oh, I'm not gonna play this game now. It's got a sex scene in it. Oh, this, this chick's kind of muscular, and it's like all these like weird <laughs> uh, non facts started going on. Like like the Neil Druckmann self inserted himself in that scene and it's like yeah. first of all no uh, and then there was you know the whole the, the Abby was a trans person and it was like okay but th- th- that's not even the case you know it's like that's, that was right. a whole other character so then so then those two things connected and then it's now Neil Druckmann self inserted himself into a sex scene where he's banging a trans character it's just like what the fuck? 
and like that. So you like, know what that it came seems from like? like the whole you know when people first released that whole scene and people ran with it, and that's what you know all those memes came from. And it's you just know like, what it seems wow. like are it seems like two sides of a dumb argument constantly straw manning one another. Yeah, and it's it somehow turns into a game of telephone. Hmm. I love telephone. And so that's how you get all the all the weird interpretations and rumors. People strawmanning on the internet. Right? <laughs> and it's just like the Ray Liotta meme, like where he's just like cackling laughing. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much like how everybody is behind all of it. You know, it's just like, damn it, we're hurting game sales. I, I don't like this. You know, it's like then you've got all these people like, I'm not even going to play it because it's got that one part in it. It's like, that one part's not even a thing that you think it is. I don't know. It's just yeah. getting a little ridiculous and on that aspect. None of that has anything to do with why I'm not interested. Exactly. In the game. Yeah, and that's the thing I said. I know that's not against you, but it's just like this. The the meme culture of it is just like, ah, oh, god damn it, fellas. Like, so before we <laughs> before we continue, um, I do think that we should make like sort of a point where we're like, okay, let's talk about spoilers now. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess that point is now. Spoilerville, everybody. <laughs> They're coming in fast and hot right to, now. You guys need to edit in that like alert noise. Yeah, I will. Thank you. I got gotcha. you. Um, but yeah, so you know, I think the reason why we're all here to talk about this is not just because it's it's buzzing and the gaming community memes aside, but also because it's clear that Neil Druckmann and Naughty Dog made an attempt to use an interactive medium to tell a somewhat controversial story. Um, right. As Kojima fans, we all know this tale so much so that we actually pulled together a Google Doc the other night and we kind of put together how these series kind of compare in terms of presenting their narrative and how successful or unsuccessful they are. So with that being said, I'll leave the floor to you guys because I just I just wanted to make that checkpoint before we kept discussing in case anything slipped out. <laughs> Well, a lot of people have brought up the mm. comparison with Metal Gear Solid 2 and the bait and switch in that game. In fact, you even showed us uh, an interview with Druckmann where he mentioned that Metal Gear Solid 2 was kind of an inspiration for that. Correct, yeah. So that kind of got the ball rolling on the discussion there. But there's there's a lot you can compare and contrast between those two games and how they approached that bait and switch element. I think uh, I think a few episodes ago, in fact, when the leaks started coming out back in I think like February or March, I I came out and I was like, and this is just to kind of like spark the discussion, but I came out and I was like, this is like if Ryan came out of nowhere and just beat the shit out of Snake, and then you play Otacon, you know, and play right. and, and you have to chase after Ryan, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have to play Ryan, and then everybody was like, Chelsea, shh, no, we don't want to talk about that until we actually have a Last of Us two episode. But for me, for me, it felt more like, okay, imagine Liquid curb stomps Gray Fox in the Rex, and then disc, you know, you, there's another three and disc three and four where you play as Liquid. Imagine that. Or he blows Merrill up. And then Otacon walks up to him at the very end and goes, it's okay, and then walks away from Liquid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, I've, I've had the ending spoiled for me. I get why people are pissed off, but for me, that's like, they're like, oh, that's such a trope to like to walk away. It's like you mean the revenge story isn't a trope. You mean like we're just doing a kill bill in that case. Like I, every story is definitely already been told. So we're you know you can call it this trope or that trope, but they all fall under a trope. It's just right. like a weird argument for me. And I think as as a character like growth, Ellie has done enough killing at that point to walk away from Abby. You know, it's it's kind of like she's like shit. The problem I had was that it didn't seem earned. So this, just to kind of reiterate, well, I guess watching the cutscenes, you're not going to see that that cut, that type of growth in the the character dialogue in between because that's they do do a lot of hopping around. Uh, you know, here's the big. It was like a gameplay mixed with oh, okay, cutscene cool. sort of thing. So yeah, I got the I got the thing. I just didn't have the controller in my hand. But again, like you know, take everything I say and feel free to discount it because I didn't play it. Yeah, I mean, I, so, I just I'm, I'm seeing kind of the growth and like the they do a lot of flashbacks actually where uh, they go back to yeah. where Ellie and and Joel are just like chilling and happy and stuff. Uh, I liked those. Yeah, 
that that's making me like appreciate Joel and it's giving us a little more time with Joel because they definitely cut that shit short. You only get like an hour or two hours. I think I was an hour and a half in when they killed Joel off and I was like, oh, yeah. okay, it's that quick. And for me, like I said, this wasn't like my fave or anything like that. So I wasn't like crying when Joel died. I was like, oh shit, that sucks. It was kind of just like watching The Walking Dead when Glenn died. I was like, oh. Uh, uh, all right, yeah. that wasn't. Oh, they my... killed. They're killing. They're killing Glenn yeah, today. Like, hmm. Damn, that was pretty gruesome. Is it six thirty already? <laughs> oh, time to kill Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of desensitized to it. You know, like yeah. I watched Solid Snake put a fucking gun in his mouth. I, I've I've seen worse shit. Okay. <laughs> I guess when when we bring MGS two into this equation, and and that whole well, well first before we get into that, we should actually. Uh, explain a little bit of of what people are upset about uh, just in case there are people that haven't actually seen it and who don't care. Yeah. And who are are more interested in Metal Gear than they are The Last of Us and they're like, why are these dudes talking about The Last of Us? So I'm going to try and make this as quick as I can, but okay, so Joel, the protagonist that you play as in the first game, he gets killed with a golf club by this new character, Abby, who turns out to be the daughter of the of one of the surgeons that Joel killed in the first game. And so Abby's out for revenge. Joel saves her life. And then she murders him brutally. Yeah, she's like because she's been looking out on for a him. Patrol, and then like all of a sudden gets right. like swarmed by all these infected. And then he like takes her and he's like, "Hey, come on, let's go!" And saves her. And they and then they go back to her spot. And then they somehow reveal that his or you know they start introducing each other. He's like, "I'm Joel," and they're like, "Oh, you're Joel? Oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> right. hold, hold hold on one sec. Yeah." And then she gets a shotgun and blows off his knee, and then tells you know dude to tourniquet it. It's really dark and really like that's if you're a Joel fan, that's a pretty hard scene to watch. But and that's right. I get why Definitely. people are pissed. But for me, that wasn't enough for me to start a petition to rewrite the story like I don't which know. that's hilarious by yeah. the way yeah, that, that there's actually was... a petition there's always a petition <laughs> yeah. it never does anything there's always a petition stop making petitions so then so you so as ellie you know because your surrogate father was was killed in front of you because she was she was right there and you know they they did it yeah they pinned her down and she just watched made much. her watch like in a, a clockwork orange and so she goes on a revenge quest. And then 12 hours later, you you actually play as Abby, this person who killed Joel and who you he, who you've been on a revenge quest for the past 12 hours trying to to hunt down. And so people are pissed off. And it it's interesting cuz it seems like there are different sort of depths in which people are pissed off. There's of course the memers like we mentioned before, you know, the ones who kind of make up bullshit about the game just to, you know, joke about it. Yeah. Um, right. There are the folks who, you know, they're fans of the first who, you know, this is a, you know, a visceral reaction. You know, this is not what they came for. And I think that there is a level of folks who, and I think this is, this is kind of the level that me and Nitroid want to discuss about are folks who they're looking at it from, they, they get what the game is trying to put down. And I, I like to phrase it like this. Um, I get what Neil is trying to paint. I just don't... Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. If you get it, please let me know. <laughs> I've been trying to figure it out. I get what he's trying to paint. I just don't know if this might have been the best canvas. Like, I love the whole idea of, you know, somebody going out for revenge. You see one side of them kind of blazing through, killing everybody they can see at a roaring rampage, and then you kind of see the other side. I watched a game playthrough like Nitroid, and I thought those little details as you go through the same set pieces as Ellie and Abby were cool. That being said, you know, maybe putting it beside a beloved IP people have been waiting for for like seven years, maybe not the best application of those themes. I can see this kind of concept being an interesting like indie game or something that like Suda51 made about like two sides to a, a revenge tale. but. You know, to do that to people who have been waiting seven years and paying 60 to, I don't know, how much is the Ellie edition, you know, to see these two characters interact, only yeah. for it to get cut short. I, can, I didn't even think about that. I can I can understand why some people would be upset. Wow. I mean, yeah, I know why people are upset. And, and we have a dude who started a, an actual petition you know, please change the story. You know, I did, just because he didn't want 
uh, Joel to you die. You did a mess. <laughs> From my perspective, you did you did a mess. Okay. <laughs> That's what he says in the, in the petition. People who like didn't expect Joel to die. Like, I've got a bridge to sell you, buddy. <laughs> I, I always assumed that this game was going to be about Joel passing the torch to Ellie in this world. And I really wanted it to be about expanding the world as Ellie gets that torch passed. Yeah. But at the same time, like Nitroid said, some of those moments, they feel a little unearned. Even though I was a bit apathetic to the first game, there were moments that really resonated with me. Actually, here's a great example. Henry and Sam's death in the first game, the little brother and the big brother. Oh, and yeah. The, guy gets in, the little brother gets infected and the guy, like, shoots himself immediately. Oh, that was rough. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. That resonated with me, I would say, more than Joel's death in a way, just because the buildup, the execution. Um, yeah, I remember it being really sudden. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Like, I, I kind of didn't expect it, but also it, was, it made sense, like... People yeah, were it, speculating that right. Joel was going to die from, like, the very first teaser of this game. They were like, oh, it's going to be like a ghost or something. It's going to be like a memory talking to her. And, like, that first trailer where she's playing the guitar and she's like, I'm going to kill every one of them. And which right. that scene, that wasn't even in the game, was it? No. But, you know, games change. The game's been in development for for yeah, six years. But, you know, the story's definitely changed in that time. But there's been this ongoing conversation, too, about... Part of the reason the term bait and switch is used is because the trailers made the game out to be something that arguably it was not. Right. Um, and this is where the Metal Gear Solid 2 comparisons come in, because MGS2 very famously had trailers that showed Snake in place of Raiden in scenes of the game, boss battles in different areas, encounters that were completely different and so on. Right. But and this is what I was going to say earlier on on the subject of, of there being a sort of dissonance where the two kind of don't quite approach that idea in the same way and where the the turn in The Last of Us 2 doesn't feel earned. So in Metal Gear Solid 2, there's this ongoing theme. It's presented gradually, uh, both directly and through innuendo, that glorifying Solid Snake as a legendary figure isn't really a good thing. And to a large degree, Snake himself is a mouthpiece for this idea. So he's constantly telling you, like, you know, legends are bad news. You shouldn't believe everything you hear about a legend and so on. Right. Like he's aware of how messy his past is and his entire arc in MGS2 is trying to overcome that. He's trying to make up for it. Wait, who are we talking about? Snake yeah, or we're talking about Solid Snake. So like so Solid Snake has a has an arc in MGS2. <laughs> Um, arguably you could say his arc in MGS2 is the tail end of his arc from MGS1. We could say that. Okay, alright, yeah, but that's the problem. It's like, when you when you say arguably, it, that's open to interpretation. So, but the, the point is that he's aware of his past, and he's trying to make up for it, and he's acknowledging that, you know, I did some bad stuff, I'm trying to be better, I'm trying to make the world a better place, and ironically... The fact that he's constantly questioning his legendary status actually elevates him further. Right. And, you know, Raiden is kind of chasing this ideal throughout the game, and then it falls apart throughout the course of the game. And eventually, Raiden realizes that he has a similarly messy, dirty, violent past, which he immediately balks at. So all this time he's chasing Snake's legend realizes he's got the dirty past as well, and then is instantly ashamed of it, right? Yeah. So there, there, there's like a... Those, those shifts are justified. The actions you take in the game, the killing, everything, it's not trying to glorify it, and there's not any sort of dissonance between what the game is saying and what the player's doing. In The Last of Us 2, I hope, I hope I'm, I'm articulating this well, because it's kind of difficult... Yeah. In The Last of Us 2, it seems to kind of lack this nuance. So throughout the game, you are taking lives left and right with little consideration. As you do. Right. And the deaths of the of the NPCs themselves, they have gone out of their way to make as visceral as possible. Going so far as to give the NPCs each names. Yeah. Yes. So that when you so, kill one... <laughs> Short of kill cams, this, you know, they take it to the extreme. <laughs> Galukovic shoulders, you know, they had the dog tags. 
Right. So like Yeah, but it's not like, you know, you had an, a Gerlukovich soldier being like, Sergei! Oh, they got Sergei! <laughs> right. Oh, Bouillat! Suka Bouillat, Sergei! <laughs> no, you didn't see any of that. Konami, if you're doing an MGS2 remake, write that down. There you go. <laughs> no, don't do that! <laughs> So, <laughs> because it's the same thing as the dog. You're just manipulating me. So all of the focus is is on the narrative aspects of this revenge story, and not on everything it takes to get there. Okay. Uh, it to a degree, like the the actual moments where you're engaged with other NPCs and enemies. There's other than just like little, very gory things, right? There's not really a lot of introspection on it. It's just like, oh, this is shocking and gross. You know, it's it it shocks, but not much else. And then at the end of the game, yeah, when Ellie decides to let uh, Abby go, it's like a uh, it's like a switch flips in her head where she goes, "Oh, I guess this is bad. You can go." Well, um, it just it doesn't feel earned. Yeah, uh, because there's not really any consideration of like you took a hundred lives getting here, and this last <laughs> one you're gonna decide, oh, maybe I'm doing a bad thing. Okay, so that's an excellent point. Now, fingers, I gotta ask, you know, how willing are you to go into spoilers? Because I know you're still playing the game. Ah, uh, I mean, we can go into it. It's it's fine. I mean, that's you know, that's for me. It's mainly just a thing of perspective. Like that's this whole thing is just like okay, Ellie's kind of seeing herself, or you know, seeing a little bit of herself in Abby. Um, so she- there's a there's a scene in The Last of Us Two where. Ellie kills these two people, and then after she kills them, she finds out that one of them was pregnant, mm-hmm. and she's, like, stricken with guilt. You know, she's she's almost catatonic, and she decides that, that she's done. And so she goes with her, her girlfriend, Dina, and they retreat to the countryside. Dina has her baby, uh, and then they, they live peacefully until Tommy, Joel's brother, who was previously shot in the head, and he survived. Uh, and so... Tommy comes to visit and he's like, I'm done with this. I don't, I don't want to kill no more. And Ellie's like, yeah, me too. Uh, And so, but then that night, Ellie decides she can't forget about her revenge story. And she decides that she's going to go on a, on a, she's going to go back on a quest to hunt down Abby because Abby had just killed Jesse. Anyway. So there is a scene where, Ellie is like, she's contemplating about her actions and she's feeling guilty about the, the pregnant woman she just murdered. And, you know, and she almost decides that she's going to stop, but then she picks it back up again. So it kind of falls flat. You see what I mean? Yeah, right. But here's my, here's my thing with that is that, and here's why I think this game is unintentionally brilliant because there's no way that the, the folks at Naughty Dog, they, of course they did an amazing job on the majority of the game, but they definitely didn't plan this. And it's a lot like what Kojima does. He does brilliant things on com- by complete accident. So the thing about this game, and, and I was like, why the hell is this game 25 hours long? And why, why do they punish you for, like, if you keep playing? Everyone's talking about how the game is torture porn and, you know, it's too violent. It makes you sick and numb and all, you know, all these things where, you know, it, the violence could have been more tasteful. And it's like, no, the game is long as hell because you decide when you've had enough. If you don't want Ellie to make these weird ass decisions that don't make sense, all you have to do is put down the controller <laughs> and especially that ending where, you know, it's like you, you can't not. There's a scene where you have to you have to pin Abby down and you, you know, you, uh, it, there's like a quick time event where you have to shove a, a knife into her chest. But then at that, you know, at the last second, Ellie decides after getting two of her fingers bitten off, she decides that she's, you know, that uh, she's not going to pursue revenge anymore. But the player doesn't have that choice. But as the player, if you had just turned the game console off right now, and hey, Druckmann actually said that MGS2 is one of his favorite games. So maybe if, you know, that was him saying, you know, if, if you actually just stop playing the game, Ellie doesn't make, a, you know, a, a nonsensical choice to pursue revenge when it, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> You're doing it. Stop hurting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. um i do have to call you out on one thing though because given your your let's say distaste of metal gear solid 5 this this kind of confuses me because there's very much a similar sort of you need to just kind of put down the gun and stop playing otherwise you're going to be in an endless battlefield sort of mentality to that game 
I'm going to answer that question real quick, and then Dez was going to say something, but you are 100% right, and that scene is exactly what made me stop being a fan of the Metal Gear Solid series. That exact scene, (laughs) when the game literally told me, hey, you know, you shouldn't be a Metal Gear fan anymore because it's gotten you nowhere. And I was like, holy shit, you're right. What have I been doing wasting my time for the past 17 years? And and, and here we are. All right, you know, that's fair enough. Yeah. Days you were saying? Uh so I don't mean to like nitpick, but I just I just want to make sure we were talking today that we don't want anybody to be like, well, these these assholes, their opinions are invalid because they got this scene wrong. But to clarify, okay, so Abby beats the shit out of Ellie and Tommy and Dina because they killed all oh, her right. friends. And yeah. right before she's about to slice Dina's throat after, you know, finding out she's pregnant and thinking, hey, you right. know, one for one, I had a pregnant friend. Um, Not only that, she actually says good, good. when she finds yeah. out that she's pregnant. Yeah. She's good. We're, we're supposed to see both sides, y'all. Um, <laughs> anyways. Gross. Um, you know, she gets stopped by Lev, a companion that she saves from the religious cult that her clan or her army has a has a beef with. And the second thing I was going to say was um, when she's choking out, she's choking out Ellie or Abby in the water to kill her. And then she decides to kind of let her go. And yeah, I kind of going back to the Metal Gear Solid 2 comparison, I was looking at it in parallel to the scene where Raiden takes off his his dog tag and he looks at it and you see your entry name, probably something like immature, like ass man 420. <laughs> and he throws it out and he he never heard the he's name before <laughs> what he's but what he's doing is he's he's letting go of his role as this this character sort of being controlled by the player i think right. that what they were trying to go for when letting go of abby was ellie trying to let go of her of her role as this so so-called savior of humanity that has this survivor's guilt that she can't Think of a possibility where Joel, you know, didn't kill all those people. To which goes right. back to my other point where, you know, I get what they were doing, but maybe the execution could have been a little better. Well, um, what substantiates that is the is the very last scene in the game where it's that last little flashback showing Joel and Ellie talking about, you know, how she says she wants to try and forgive him. Yeah. Yeah. So that that kind of cements what you're saying. And another thing that really upset me, and it was somewhat of a retcon, was that Metal Gear gives you an agency in a sense that there are times where it lets you feel, you know, the consequences of your actions. Whether that's, you know, the sorrow, seeing your kills, seeing the kills at the end of the game, so on and so forth. I played the first one, and I could have sworn I did not massacre the Fireflies base. I'm a stealth gamer. Yep, me neither. <laughs> but uh, in the sequel, in the flashbacks, it showed like right. the whole place getting slaughtered. And I get it. You know, the one mandatory kill you have to do for that is Abby's dad. And, and by the way, it's self-defense because if you don't do anything, he'll shank you with a scalpel. Um, right. But that was a little frustrating to me as well. Like, again, it goes back to that like manipulation. Like, oh, you're this monster. Like, I get that I'm a monster, but, you know, I tried my best not to be. You know what surprises me is um, you look at Metal Gear and the buildup uh, in Metal Gear Solid 3 to when you have to pull the trigger on the boss, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they go through all of this effort to show you things from Abby's point of view. I'm surprised they didn't have you actually swing the golf club yourself. Good point. Yeah. Um, hmm. They didn't do that, but they, they do have you at the end almost drown Abby and then, and then attempt to stab her before Ellie decides not to. Man, that would have made people put down the controller if they had to swing the golf club on Joel. They were like, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> like, would that would have pissed people off. I don't off. think they would have. The fan, yeah, like the fan fans, like, yeah, they would definitely not want to do that. I mean, that would make them. I don't think so. And the reason why is because they kept playing after Joel died. Yeah. And then and then they then they actually finished the game and went on YouTube to complain about it. 
<laughs> a lot of people just aren't playing it because they hear that or or hear, you know, I've seen a lot of people comment like that. They're just like, oh, I'm not playing it because of this. It's just like, ugh. I've heard that right. there are just a ridiculous amount of copies uh, up for sale on like online sites, but I don't know if that's normal <laughs> for new release games or if, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the numbers are. I hear the game sold 5 million in like first, the first week it sold 5 million. Yeah, so they don't care. They, they um, made their money. Right. And that's the, here's the thing though. And the, here's the reason why you don't tell a story like that. The next time Naughty Dog, they can't make another Last of Us. They can't make uh, any sort of serious story like this because people are going to remember what they tried to do in The Last of Us 2. And that's called the consumer contract. So it's in your best interest to tell a story that people are going to resonate with and like. Don't try to subvert. I mean, Sure, subvert expectations, right? But don't intentionally try to make people upset and, you know, and create controversy and, you know, to get people talking. Because you know they were going for the Twitch reaction, you know, to see people stream in the game and just to see the the reactions on their face so they can do that stupid grid uh, compilation of all the people like... Yeah, they're gross, and you, but you know that's what they were going for. Like when they when they killed Joel, and you see spurts of blood coming out of his, his fractured skull, which I thought was some of the most beautiful fluid physics I've ever seen in a game. But you know, and the fact that they motion captured one of the most anatomically correct kiss scenes in the history of video games. They spent all they spent six years and all that money, and they tortured all those people uh, in, in making them work eighty hours a week for for six years out of their lives, and you know, it's. This is why I've been following this game because I don't want this type of game to get as much attention as 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 AAA games have been in the past. On a lighter note, uh, I just pictured sort of like YouTube Twitch compilations of people discovering they have to play Raiden. Like, can you imagine that in 2020? That was one of the things I was going to bring up is there's been a lot of comparisons and questions of how Metal Gear Solid 2 was uh, received when it first came out. And for anybody who was around back then, it wasn't pretty. Um, the yeah, game, I didn't have the internet, so I didn't hear any of it. Oh, I man. was 12 and I didn't care. So that's, I mean, that's a story in and of itself. Um, right. when it came out, it reviewed extremely well and reviews were very careful to hide Raiden. Hide Right. Yeah, they were. And I actually, I still have a magazine, that uh, that that has a it has a screenshot of Raiden, but he's wearing a gas mask, so you can't tell. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people were mad when they realized, you know, you don't play a solid snake, even though there's a there's a point to it. It really got people pretty upset. Didn't necessarily stop the sales, but I remember the reception to Metal Gear Solid Three not being as warm. I hate to use the term, but there wasn't a, as much of a hype train for Metal Gear Solid 3 as there was for 2, because like you said, people were kind of aware, you know, they had that memory of what happened the last time around, and they didn't want to have the rug pulled out from under them again. Mm. Um, and it was, and it technically was in a way. Yeah, because it, <laughs> Kojima refuses to let people play as Solid Snake again. You know, it's funny, uh, there was an old Metal Gear forum I used to regular, and I want to say about a month before the game hit retail, someone joined the forum and claimed to have gotten a leaked copy of the game and wrote out a synopsis of the story. Okay. Yeah. And everybody <laughs> read it and it was this absolutely ridiculous story about how, you know, after the first hour of the game, you switch to this new guy and you're in a completely <laughs> different area on an oil rig. And the whole thing is a recreation of Metal Gear Solid one. And at the end, you find out that these AIs were doing it to control society and blah, blah, blah. And everyone no was way. like, ah, this is ridiculous. This can't be true. Like, get out of here, dude. That, re- w- that really happened? Yeah, swear to God. Um, Whoa. The game comes out and we're like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh wow! Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty wild. The other thing I wanted to mention, though, and specifically with regards to how AAA development is gonna, what what is it gonna look like in the future? I have not played the game, but I was interested in Hellblade's uh, development because of how it was made. It was essentially Same. an experiment to see if they could make right, it exactly right. They could. They wanted to see if they could do a AAA game on what was essentially a shoestring budget. Uh, now, right. I mean, they had $10 million and an existing development studio, but in AAA terms, that's a, like that's nothing. Yeah. 
It's a drop in the bucket. Right, but they managed like to, The Last of Us 2 probably cost $250 million if, you, if you include the advertising budget. Exactly. And they managed to make a successful AAA quality title on $10 million. Um, right. And a, a lot of people were saying, you know, this this is indicative of maybe a new trend. They were calling it like triple I, triple ind- you know, triple A independent gaming was, <laughs> was a, something yeah. that they tried and I'm guessing didn't stick. But I mean, I think there's a model there for making these super high quality, long experiences, but not the way we're doing it now. And I mean, I'm not a I'm not a you know, I don't run a games business, so I can't really speak to any sort of authority on it but the fact that they were able to do that the way they did shows that at least there's another way so hellblade had triple a quality graphics but it definitely had indie quality mechanics there Mm. wasn't really a lot a lot of um of simulations that were being run the combat mechanics were, were really simplistic and you know the game got uh, a, some minor criticism for being repetitive, so it definitely played like an indie game, but it did look like a AAA yeah. game, and that was uh, that was successful. They were successful in achieving that goal. So is right? that the result of the lower budget, or is that the result of it just you know it wasn't as well of a conceived game? It just wasn't that deep of a game. Yeah, like as far as the gameplay went, it just wasn't that deep, but it was very sensual and the way they recorded the audio was like crazy. The way that you like if you wear headphones and play that game, like that's that's the way to do For it. For sure. Yeah. And uh, I can only imagine they did like three D recording where they were like all running around the mic and like I saw some little mini doc on it where they were just doing circles around this one mic, so they were getting this like three D stereo thing going. But it's all the voices like Whoa. of like eight people just like saying stuff so it actually feels like they were trying to replicate uh mental illness and like what the character was actually experiencing so uh they did a good job on that part oh big ups to that definitely yeah so i mean like you look at something uh, in terms of of gameplay uh in in smaller titles uh the original katamari damasi had a budget of i think under a million dollars Sure. And that's one of yeah, the most easy. fun games ever, and and nobody really complained about that feeling like a, a non AAA game. I mean, this is PlayStation Two, and it's cartoony, so it's not. You know, we're we're comparing apples to oranges here a bit, but the point is, you know, you right. don't need an enormous budget to make a good game. No, but it's like you you do need to create. The problem is that publishers feel like they need to create a game that justifies having that giant marketing budget because Katamari Damacy is is a classic it's you know one of the greatest games of all time everybody who's played it there's not a single person alive who has played Katamari Damacy and I normally don't go for cutesy games but I love that game uh it's it's simply amazing but the fact that it was developed for less than a million dollars it it also didn't sell like those like five million copies in a week like The Last of Us did but it did sell very well. And if I remember right, they even sold it as a discount. Wasn't it only like $20 or something when it came out? Yeah. I mean, it's I I would love for the industry to go more in that direction, but you're seeing all these smaller indie titles that are made by tiny teams and and don't have the, you know, the AAA polish. Right. But they're making bank. I mean, how much money did Stardew Valley make for crying out loud? Or uh, Untitled Goose Game? Hmm. Or Undertale. Well, okay, so here's the problem. Is that we... I'm sure we all think that that's fine, you know, to to have these games that might not look like a movie, which I'm all about. I'm like, you know, stop trying to make games look like movies. If you want a movie, go watch one. But it's... games. Game publishers, their target demographic are the people who shop at GameStop who go in and they ask, you know, like, Hey, so what's, what's, what are the games that people are talking about now? And, you know, they look at the advertisement or they read game informer and they don't really care. They don't care about how, like how much it costs to make games, which is why you have people that are starting petitions about the last of us Two, and why people are demanding that there be, you know, dynamic fluid simulations for blood effects because they just, they think that it's easy to implement this stuff. And, you know, they're, they're going to put down their $60 and they want to play something that reminds them of a, a blockbuster movie, you know, um, uh, and that's, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, that's that's what that's what the the Last of Us two, the, the Last of Us one, and the Last of Us two. That's why they were made. That's why you have games like The Order eighteen eighty six. You know, with the black bars because you know they wanted to make it look as as realistic as possible, but they couldn't actually get the resolution and uh, to work with a stable frame rate. So is that damn? I didn't know that's why they had. <laughs> I thought that was just like a presentation thing. That's kind of hilarious. No, no, and uh, like uh, the the Evil Within one uh, on on PS4. I think later they released a patch, but the the frame rate takes a hit if you get rid of the black bars. So that's how they they cheat. Instead of being 1080p, it's actually running oh, it. I ha- yeah, I hated the way that that like how zoomed in that that game felt. Yeah, yeah, it's that that was kind of limiting. The thing I was trying to circle around to, and I didn't quite get there. And the reason I brought up Katamari Damacy was um, if you look at uh, Hellblade and the fact that they were able to have those AAA fidelity graphics on a $10 million budget, and then you look at right. indie games and they're able to have gameplay that is arguably more fun than most AAA games, there there yeah. has to be a way to reconcile these two sensibilities so that you can make there absolutely is. fun games that have AAA quality production value without sending you know a team of 200 employees into crunch for three years you know it's like not even that like assassin's creed those that development team is 300 people minimum uh you know this game with all the like if you're talking the marketing team and the lawyers and all that you know 500 people worked on this game that that credits credits roll goes for, for an hour and but why are games made this way is because people demand them and people keep buying it. Five million copies were sold of this game. You really think another publisher is not going to see that and be like, dude, we got to we, we got to make our version of The Last of Us. Somebody needs to break the mold. And, and if they can make a successful game that I'm breaks here. the mold, then everybody else will follow. Businesses are also looking for like the Call of Duty model. Like you guys keep on mentioning games that came out before 2007. Now I think everybody's looking, every sort of big developer, every big publisher is just looking for that, that golden egg, that, that game that doesn't take much time to develop, but can go through like those yearly cycles and have a safe sales numbers. It's a terrible way to be creative. Wait a second. It's it's a terrible way to be creative, but it's a great way to secure the bag. You guys, I feel like I just ripped open a a rift in the time-space continuum, but isn't Konami ahead of the game on this? I was going to say. This is this is exactly why they shut down their AAA games division so they could make pachinko machines. I will say Konami right yep. now is actually doing something really cool. Their uh their, their new game uh that they they didn't develop but they're they're publishing for these indie right. studios. Now they have a game out called Skell Attack. And that game's actually really fun. Uh, I've been having a good time with it. I'm sure it is. Yeah, they seem to be steering more into indie publishing. And yeah, definitely I've been having more fun with the indie stuff because just, I guess just being like a, a retro type gamer, that's just like more what I normally just grew up on and enjoy. Like I enjoyed that part of gaming. Even before the obvious For like sure. shift away from AAA development, you know, and they, they've said they're not completely done with it, but... No they were already kind of dipping their toes in that direction, you know, in that pool a bit. Mm-hmm. You look at uh, Super Bomberman R, which eh, that's not really a AAA game, but it was developed with Unity. And it, as far as I know, that's the first Konami title that was developed with Unity. Hmm. Wow. Um, somebody might correct me on that. I don't actually know, but I remember hearing that it was a Unity game and going, oh, whoa, so Konami's using that now. But that was also the the impetus behind the Fox engine was to simplify their process, save time, make it easier for artists to throw things <laughs> in on the fly and not have to rely on constant, you know, constant back and forth with the development team. I don't know if you saw, right. they actually, I read that recently What they said, uh, the Fox engine was actually really difficult to utilize. So that, that's why it wasn't really used in a lot of other things. Like that's they, a shame. Wow. Yeah. They initially thought it was going to be so easy, but like other people were looking at it like, we don't know how to steer this ship. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was always wondering so, if they would, you know, if, if the Fox engine had taken off, if they would have licensed it out kind of like Epic does with Unreal. I mean, they could, but they, I don't think they had the resources to support it yeah. the way Unreal does. And, you know, to, to uh, Finger's point about indie games being more fun, you know, I think that's kind of when you're making an indie game, your objective is to make it fun uh, for the most part. You want something that that people will 
will will play and 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 really something you don't really have to think about. You know, like like uh, you're trying to recreate that feeling of of jumping in Super Mario or Sonic. Um, but the major the main reason why I play games, uh, you know, even if I play a a fun game as a diversion, the main reason why I go to games as my primary source of entertainment is to play a story and that's really difficult to do in the indie space because you, you, you got to have a lot of resources to to tell a compelling story yeah and yeah when you don't have a lot of resources i think a good example of that uh katana zero they did like a really good job with like just making that lore really deep and kind of like messing with your head with like wait did that really happen and was was that little girl really there and like there, there's like conspiracy theories around that game and just like you know just different stuff going off of it but it plays just like right. Hotline Miami. You know, it's like you can definitely have a yeah, deep well, narrative that can screw with your head and do a, you know, bait and switch. Even, yeah, the Hotline Miami games did that too. Um, absolutely, yeah. But those games, they also had a publisher, which was Devolver. Yeah. And, you know, you got to have, you can't, it's it's rare and, and it's more difficult to go out as an indie studio to, to tell a compelling story uh through gameplay it's you know it, you're gonna get more return on your investment if you just make something that's fun like katamari damacy or uh or um what's another good example ape out have any you played of the that? i have played ape out <laughs> hell yeah absolutely that's a fun game yeah and it's like what's the story you're an ape you're trying to get out ape out <laughs> and that's it so but you're not like you know because all the text that you have to implement if you're telling a text if you're doing a text-based adventure hiring voice actors because i've been playing um the outer wilds mm -hmm. you guys heard yeah, of that yeah. games of freaking technical marvel i don't know how they pulled it off i need to watch the making of documentary after i finish it but um but there's no voice acting in the game and that kind of turns me off and it makes me not really want to sit there and read because it's like if i want to read a book I can pick up a book. I'm playing this game so that I can interact and actually be a, a an existing, uh, you know, uh, entity in this world that you're building. And I feel like it's more passive. It does seem like indie games tend to be more gameplay centric, whereas the, right. the bigger AAA games, you know, major studio games tend to be more story centric. Right, and th and so that's the thing is that when you have a uh, a, like a game that's story based, like God of War or The Last of Us, people think that the best way to tell a story is by making a movie, which is why you have all these cutscene intensive games like Metal Gear Solid. Meanwhile, over in movies, they're trying to make movies more like games. Exactly, right? It, it, what, what's going on I here? I don't know, man. Everybody's mixed up. Oh, closing thoughts, everybody. Well, you know, I don't want to completely shit on The Last of Us 2 for this whole thing. Um, yeah. So I, I do want to mention some positives here. Uh, you know, you guys are talking about gameplay. Uh, going back to the gameplay, I did want to note, I, I again, I, I mentioned that I'm waiting for this all to blow over so I can buy it for the cheap. Uh, buy it Same on here. the cheap. Um, but I love the stuff that they're doing with sort of the interactive NPCs. Uh, like the like luring clickers into humans, luring scarves into wolves. Uh, I think I made this comment in the notes, but it's like everything that I wanted from MGS4 Chapter One, except that Kojima never did that again. Right. In the game. I know exactly what oh, you don't mean. Don't get yeah. me started on Chapter One of MGS4. Don't <laughs> don't do it. We'll be here another hour. Uh, yeah, we're not going to do that. But I, I <laughs> well, yeah. So the game is good, right? But the t the purpose of the Last of Us Two is not to be a game; it's to be a story. It in my eyes, I mean, I should I should preface that. Yeah, for me, I mean, it 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 does tell a story. I'm soaking in the story as I go. It's okay. There's some cringy dialogue along the way, but there's some also pretty good heartfelt dialogue that you know. It gets you up in your feels, and it definitely. I think. Uh, what was the one quote Neil said? Uh, it's not a fun game. Um, I don't think that's the most accurate. Like I'm, I'm having fun <laughs> with it. I, I can see what he meant. Like he's like, yeah, you're gonna yeah. have a bad time. It's like, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> um, 
Oh, like Spec Ops. Yeah, it's 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 basically this feeling that I've felt before, so I'm I'm just kind of desensitized to it. But I, it's some of the best stealth mechanics I've seen in a game since the Phantom Pain. Um, the okay. way the enemies—that's wow. high praise. The way the enemies track you, and I mean, that's what else can you say? The way they like search an area is—it's very thorough. Uh, the dogs like will actually pick up a scent trail from you, like uh, just like there's plenty of good gameplay mechanics enough for me to forgive the story if it does a couple things that the fans didn't want it to do, because that's really it. Just seems like a tantrum kind of. They're like, but I didn't want it to go that way. It's kind of like the Last Jedi, pretty much, which I can give a little more, uh, you know, allowance to people being upset over that. But f- you know, for me, it just seems like uh, people just being upset that their fave got killed. That's hmm. that, that's kind of just where I see it. I definitely think it's a technical marvel. Um, it's incredible how much we're able to do with games now. It's you go back and look at early FMV movies and PS One games, and then you look at where we are now with in-game graphics, and it's just astonishing. Uh, you know, right. in terms of physics, in terms of graphical fidelity, um, it's it's marvelous to look at. But I'm kind of like Vector in that I play games for a story. Um, you know, I'm I'm more of a single player guy than a multiplayer guy. I don't play a lot of multiplayer games. Same. Um, so, uh, I'm you know I know this isn't a multiplayer game, but I but I do play more for the story aspect. And so the fact that I wasn't really all that interested in the first one to begin with just kind of you know I, I said it before it just didn't really grab my attention. Uh, other than wow, look at what they did. Um, and it also yeah, I, com- I completely understand that it's it's also a, a kind of a thing where like you know everybody throws the term around subverting expectations and we've seen character right. bait and switch done before i've seen this trick so many times that it's lost its effect on me so yeah it just it's like okay yeah i've seen it before what else you got yeah, I got two points to add, uh, you know, to to riff off of that. And the first is I completely relate to not vibing with the first game because, you know, as of 2013, the whole world had just been zombied out with by The Walking Dead. And, you know, personally, I feel like if you're going to tell a story in a zombie apocalypse, you've already failed from the outset. Um, but that's just me. The second point is, you know, to all the people that are complaining about, you know, that this story wasn't what they what they wanted and they want they want something better. I got no sympathy for those guys because there was only one game before The Last of Us 2 for for fans of this this franchise. I had to play Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, 3, 4, Peace Walker and then Phantom Pain on, on top of a bunch of. Of of uh, of games like Acid and Ghost Babel and all this other information that I've accumu- I accumulated over the course of fifteen to twenty years before my hopes and dreams were ripped out from under me. So you know, <laughs> you guys haven't even begun to. Suffer. It's like that meme that's just like first time, and dude's just like sitting there like about to get executed. Or, I was gonna say, or that Twitter post where that or it was like, show me a video game character who has gone through more. Oh, that that list is full of. Like, yeah, everybody's like, oh, okay, let's go in. Uh, did you guys, did I post, I saw David Hayter had a response to that. Man, even he was riffing on it. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, some ordinary gamer that he replied to. He's like, dude. What, was that his, was that his handle, or was that? Uh, ordinary gamers on Twitter. He was like, oh. Old, Snake, oh, okay. Old Snake walked through a microwave hall, bro. He contracted like seven different cancers that day, but okay. <laughs> Hater just <laughs> underneath was like, they didn't have to wait too long, I guess. Hmm. The post was like, I'll wait while y'all tell me who went through more. Yeah, that's what I posted earlier. I'm going to go with the pain. It reminded me of a post that happened all before this shit went down where somebody posted something like, tell me a better video game soundtrack than Mick Gordon's Doom. Go ahead, I'll wait, and then just like Twitter just went off on it. Which you yeah, know. you want you want to know a, an easy way to get retweeted? There, there you go. Hmm. <laughs> Tell me a better X than Y. There you go. That's the ma- manipulation that Naughty Dog did with show me a better dog than this one that you just stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't. There's no other dogs, Naughty Dog. <laughs> 
was that the commentary that we're making? Like, oh, we, we're Naughty Dog, and this is Jackass, so here's a dog, and you're, you're going to stab it. We're going to make you feel bad because about killing the dog because we're Naughty Dog. Uh, it's even worse when the people see that you, like, I, like, shot a dog with a bow and arrow, and the guy was just like, fuck, man, they killed my dog. <laughs> like, he was, like, really <laughs> just, like, upset by that, but not all the uh, other people that I had killed before. That he had seen. Well, here's the thing, imaginary video game man. You don't exist. Neither does your dog. No. QED. I'm going to shoot it. It's in my way. That's, yeah, like, if people are, like, making things on Twitter, like, please don't make me kill a dog in a video game. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Ever since, like, Call of Duty If you 3, kill a dog like, in this game. <laughs> since Ninja if you Gaiden kill a dog, on NES, like, what the hell are those? Those are dogs. I didn't give a shit about them. It, Guys, right. if you kill if you the kill dog, dog, dog in the video game, does it die in real life? <laughs> Well, Does it still go to heaven? Do all naughty dogs go to heaven? The real question is, can I pet that dog? If, look, <laughs> oh, if man. Neil Druckmann really wanted to get his point across, he should have let us full taunt the WF, WLF soldiers to put as Ellie's yeah. on. Yeah, there is a, no like non-lethal way to deal with anybody, really. It's, it's definitely all just like kill or kill harder. Can um, you non-lethal the game? Nope. I mean, I, okay. there might be parts where you can just, like, sneak through, but a lot of it seems like it, you have to kill for sure. There's a, at least one dog that you you can't not kill because it's, like, a quick-time event. And then, and then days you were talking about how they make you kill that dog, and then you see the dog's backstory. <laughs> so I guess the takeaway from this episode is support your local animal shelter. Yeah. The more you know. Dun, 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 dun. The, I got nothing more to say about the it. The point yeah. of the story is whenever a massive AAA game comes out that's ripe with controversy, wait a couple weeks and get it for half price. And I, I suggest playing it. It's, it's got pretty good stealth in it. Yeah. Just ignore the story if you want. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm looking, for, I really am looking forward to playing it. Yeah. I, I, I keep watching yeah, clips of people it. going like full John Wick with Ellie and. Yeah, the, the combat in it and the gunplay is damn good. And, and you know, you've got like upgrade trees and skill trees that make you better. You can take little pills that make you better in certain uh, certain trees. So that's, you know, I, I've kind of just been like looking at all the hate and just going, ah, I'm going to play a video game. And that's that's kind of what it is to me. It's just another video game. Hopefully they... Uh, okay. Good old hey, video games. They might... They might make a sequel where Abby and Ellie team up together. That's why they couldn't, okay. uh, you know what, off, you know, fingers, you know, you just <laughs> shut your mouth. No. <laughs> I knew that would piss you off. <laughs> so it turns, it, it turns out you guys, Abby is actually Ellie from the future. Okay. And <laughs> no, the- no, we're going to play a sequel where old, you have to play as old Ellie to, <laughs> To go and uh, hunt down Abby one last time. Are they, are they gonna give? But but Abby has been taken over by by Tommy's disbodied spirit. Oh my god! No, you're Ellie, and you get woken up by Joel playing guitar, and it was all a dream. It was all a dream. God, if they would have actually ended it like that, can you imagine the reaction? That'd be even worse. <laughs>